We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time for a preview of the Knicks upcoming matchup on Thursday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. As of right now, what would be a preview of the first round of the NBA playoffs, the four versus the five. These teams are separated by one win. The Knicks are 33 and 22. The Sixers are 32 and 22. We'll see uh, how much of a preview this is because some Players on both teams need to get healthy before we can actually understand how this matchup would go. And who knows if the standings that are pretty jumbled around this portion in, in the East uh, stay the same. But uh, it'll be good for the Knicks to play the Sixers again. And we'll see if the Sixers are looking forward to playing this version of the Knicks and whoever comes back healthy on Thursday. I should mention we are recording this on Monday of uh, All-Star break. So that is uh, February 19th. So any news that has happened in the last three days has not been addressed, will not be addressed because we are recording this before I go on vacation. When I say we, I mean Mr. Daniel Olinger from the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Uh, he's a writer for them over there. We've obviously had Spike and Michael on the pod. I'm happy to welcome another member of the, uh, the, the Avengers crew that they have going on over there. Daniel, thank you for joining me. If, I, if I'm the third of the Avengers crew, am I like Hawkeye in this situation? Because, I mean... Uh, I'll, I'll let you decide which superhero you want to be. I'll, I figured you want to go at least Black Widow in, in that sense, or maybe even Thor at that. So does that mean that's their Cap and Tony in this situation? I I would have to assume so, right? Like, so who's Nick Fury? Ooh, ooh, this uh, is Sam Hinkie is technically Nick Fury. Isn't yeah, that's he? actually yeah, you're right because he's the one responsible <laughs> for it all. Even though not not everyone knows that, so yeah, that's a good no. But thanks for having me on, Andrew. I'm happy to talk Sixers next day, even with like loud construction noise on going on behind me in the background. But uh, yeah, happy to talk about this upcoming game we have. Well, as am I, unfortunately, I'm going to do something that I'm sure all Sixers fans, yourself included, uh, Sixers journalists too, probably. Uh, let's talk about Joel Embiid's health just to start. Let's have the conversation at the beginning of the show. And, you know, I, there will be an Embiid Knicks connection and a, con and a conversation we'll have during the sports of the show. But I do want to just from the from the Knicks fans perspective that just isn't in tune to what went on in Philly when the injury happened, the way he was playing, he was the MVP front runner. 
The Sixers for a lot of the year were up there with the Celtics for what the net rating was. Um, what was the mood in Philly when he got hurt? It was in Golden State, correct? So here, that's the thing. So it's you have to follow like the timeline of the season because basically after the first half of the season could not have gone much better. Like they had like their record was like slightly below the Bucks, but they had like lost a bunch of close games. Or like and as is a theme, basically every game Embiid had been out, but were like absolutely shredding teams whenever he played. They had gotten to twenty nine and thirteen right after because if you're the twenty ninth win was the seventy point game against the Spurs, mm-hmm. where it was basically the peak of like. They call, I believe the call in the broadcast was Embiid at the peak of his power, which is what it felt like. Like just there is no answer for him at this moment. They were like on a six game win streak. Felt great. First game of the road trip, Maxi's out in Indiana, and Embiid lands weirdly on his knee. He keeps playing through it, but it's clear, like, okay, he tweaks something in his knee. Then the next few games he has to sit out, including the Denver game, where like national media people are literally tweeting out jokes about Embiid who it was like very clear for everyone who had been fo- everyone who had been following the Sixers knew this was going to be a problem because he had clearly tweaked his knee. They did not want him to go on that if he was not feeling okay. But it becomes a huge discourse thing where everyone's just like, you know, and it gets really nasty to like I don't want to get too much into it, but stuff that's upsetting to me where just like Embiid's a bad person almost because he missed games, which has no correlation at all. Like who you are as a human, just if you can't play a basketball game today, but like which eventually leads to playing Golden State, where if you've watched the game. He was clearly not okay and should not have been playing, was not moving well. This, this is the same guy who had scored 30 points in every game for like three months, then could only get 12, was not jumping up and down right. And then eventually, yeah, Kaminga lands on his knee and another meniscus injury and he's out. So it's really just like, I would say the it's kind of a thing where I think Sixers fans, and I, I mean, like I'm right about the team, so I don't know all of their feelings, but why can't we have nice things is kind of the feeling because it just was so good it's not like you know oh bad about this or like as six friends you will say this was the dream season this was the year but i i'm sure that when it came to playoff time if it was a tough second round series they would still be a little worried about the team like how couldn't you be but mainly just that Embiid, their most beloved player again he has to deal with these injuries again and just every time and it felt so unfortunate and i know there's like a lot of resentment over like how he was treated during that road trip when he had to miss games tried to come back and gets hurt again so it's a lot of Bad feelings there, but just and you and we will get more into it and why they're such a different team for Embiid. But just the basic record is they're twenty six and eight when Embiid is played, and that includes the Golden State game where he's playing at like thirty percent, so like even closer to twenty six and seven. And they're six and fourteen when he hasn't played. And like, how do I describe this? There's six wins. I think four or five of them are basically like Maxi is on an absolute heater, like forty to fifty points. So not just like oh he's having a good game. No. It's Maxi might be the one of the best players in the world kind of games, like the fifty-one point game against the Jazz. Because if Maxi doesn't have a heater when they're trying to beat, it's like it's so hard for them to win if that doesn't happen. They are. I, I wrote about it earlier this year. They're a very good team, and I think they're one of the best construct teams around and beat ever because they have a lot of like ceiling raising guys who are really good players. But their whole point is that they play off of Embiid really well. And they can't really raise the floor by themselves. And the best example is I, I don't want to go too much of this monologue, but I think a good way to think about it is, you know, like Josh Hart for you guys looks way better when he's playing off stars because that's his whole thing is he brings a ton of value to a winning team, not much to a losing team because all of stuff like adds on the margins. Then relate that to a guy like Nick Batum for the Sixers, who does a lot of the same things where when Embiid's not there, he's not really creating his own shot. He's not just doing that much. Like his whole point is that he's the perfect fit with Embiid. Just can hit shots when he's open off of him and also sets Embiid up perfectly and fills in the gaps defensively. But if Embiid's not there, it's like, yeah, he's just he's not as important a player. So it's they're just in that situation where 
They're clearly just not the same team. They've looked better since they traded for Buddy Heald, definitely. But yeah, just they're they go from being like a top five team in the NBA to one of the ten worst teams in the NBA usually when Embiid's not playing. So let me start here and just personally apologize because I think I was one of those people that was frustrated the day of the Denver game. Um, that was the day after, which is ironic that this is how the sequence of events went. It was the game after, I should say, because uh, the Knicks had the early game. They were the three o'clock game and then the doubleheader was Embiid Jokic. And I I actually made like a Saturday out of it. I went out to Long Island and hung out with my dad and like we, I build it as like, hey, we'll watch the Knicks play the Heat and it's a rematch of the playoffs and the Knicks are, Knicks are rolling at the moment and then we'll watch him beat Jokic. And like that injury diagnosis ruined our Saturday. And I was very selfish at the moment and may have fired off a tweet or two. And it, I think anybody that had the introspection I did then turned on the Golden State game. It was like, oh, he's actually hurt. And, you know, you hope that you don't, you, you you have some reflection and you're like, oh, so this at the end of the day, you have to recognize that maybe not every time that an entertainment thing is doesn't go your way. It's not like an, a personal attack at you. Maybe it is that the seven footer uh, was dealing with a knee injury. And look, I, I I am curious when he potentially comes back, what he looks like, you know, on the other side of a meniscus surgery. But um, in the meantime, I guess my question would be like, you mentioned they're six and fourteen. You know, I I'm not comparing them to Brooklyn like last year because Brooklyn they were they were cruising with Katie and Kyrie, and then there was a trade that happened. Um, but they felt like an undeserved six seed. I I look at the Sixers, and while they're the five seed at the moment, they're obviously somewhat falling. Does the seeding matter to you going into the playoffs, or is it just kind of like even if we're a seven seed and and Joel's back. I, I still think the ceiling of this team is pretty high. Yeah, I don't. I, I get what you're saying there, and you're definitely. I trust me. You're right about Brooklyn because I watched the Sixers play them, and that was last year's season. That was a very easy first round win. The yes. Nets just did not have anything for them. So. I'll tell you, Daniel. I could not. I could not take the like. Oh, look at the job Brooklyn's doing. They're still going to make the the playoffs. Like, yeah, because Katie and Kyrie gave them this gigantic head start. They were thirteen and fourteen after the trade, and then they got they got swept. So they yeah, were thirteen and eighteen after the trade. That That's ser- what they are. That series was over very fast. But yes. um, yeah, I don't know if it's particularly the seed that matters because I I know we're going to talk about like matchups the Sixers are looking at and. To be quite honest, if I had to guess where Sixers fans are at, the only team they're like, oh, we don't match up with them well is Boston. (laughs) Like, which, I mean, again, Boston's the best team in the NBA. I think everyone's like, I don't think there's anyone lining up like, oh, we really want Boston. Like, I I think everybody could say, I think the one team we don't match up well with is Boston, you know? So, like, I don't think it's a very matchup specific thing. It's more just, you know, getting out of the danger zone where if you blow a playing game or if you win your playing games to play a one or a two seed going through road games. So it's really. I think the Sixers would be super content if they could just stay out of the play-in, like, you know, not lower than six, just so they don't have to deal with that extra game. That's probably really all they care about. It would it would take a monumental collapse for them to fall all the way out of the play-in, like down to 11, and especially like we hear the news today that the Nets have fired Jacques Vaughn, like, seems like they're probably not going to be competing too much for a season. The Hawks and the Bulls are their own thing, so they're probably safe from falling out of the play-in. I, I would say they're just trying to, you know, make sure that... <laughs> They can bring him back in series where they don't. He bring him back in the playoffs where they're not already in like a desperation situation. They need to go on a miracle run. Just make it like okay, we're not a home seat home team like we wanted to be in the playoffs, but we're 
still in the top six. We could still do this. Like, it's very feasible. So mainly just, you know, avoiding that, like, worst case scenario is probably the better thing. And, like, again, I said they were 6-14 and 14 Vatimbi. They've been 2-2 two and two since the trade deadline when they got Buddy healed. Maxi didn't play in one of those games. And even then, their two losses, I think, were, like, by a combined, like, seven points or so. They, they, they lost two very close games, and they beat the Cavs, who had won 17-18. of 18. So... They've it's already it's you've seen the benefits of just trading for buddy like they needed another offensive player so badly it's made them it's made it at least so there's like a feasible way for them to win these games without and be playing for the next month or so. I think the the caution I have with talking about Philadelphia and what they could be the rest of the season is just it's not even necessarily like them surviving until Embiid comes back. But like Orlando and Miami schedules are like cake the rest of the year. Orlando has the easiest schedule. Miami has the third easiest schedule remaining. And so even if like you're like you're saying they're two and two since the trade, since the buddy heel trade, maybe if even if it levels off and they're like seven and seven in their last 14, if Orlando and Miami go something like 10 and four, 11 and three, because they're playing the Pistons and the Wizards and these teams that are unprecedentedly bad at the bottom of the league this year, that's, why I'm curious, or that's why I was asking, like, if it if they end up as a seven seed, which means they avoid Boston, is that like the best worst case scenario? You know, I yeah, no, I think they'll again, like, obviously they would want to stay on the plan, but if it comes to they're in the seven eight game and can get that seven seed and just stay on the opposite side from Boston, I think they're like, I mean, at this point, they're obviously just dealing in like you know bad scenarios. They wanted Embiid to be healthy and compete for like the two or the three, like they probably could have. So. At this point, I think I think you're all right. That just as long as they can get that seven seed and stay away from Boston until you know potentially the third round if they ever got there, I think they I think they would like say it was um like right now it'd be like Cleveland two, Milwaukee three. I don't know. Let's say Orlando or Miami. One of them is six, and you tell tell Philly they're seven. I think say like yeah, it's not easy, but we'll take it. Like we we think we we don't think we're outclassed by any of those teams. So. You take the Joel injury, you take the fact that we're having the let's hope they at least get the seven seed. What has that done to the expectations about this season? You hinted earlier about you said the word special. And I, I, I watched the 70 point game, too. And I was like, oh, maybe this is the year that Embiid like just goes nuclear. And uh, our, our main host, John Macri, has said there's a Hakeem playoff run in him. One of these years is just going to happen. And we're going to look up it's like, oh, yeah, that was the Embiid Hakeem playoff run. And injuries just could continue to kind of hold him back. So what are the expectations now for this season with the injury factored in? Yeah, that's the thing, because before the injury, I would say, you know, it's uh, actual expectations are a loss in the second round. because I think they're conditioned. Most Sixers fans and people follow the team are conditioned to at this point. Although I don't think there's much fear of the Bucks with how their season's been going. So I think there was th- thought that like, hey, we could at least make the Eastern Conference finals and then play Boston. And who knows? But now if the injury, I mean, it's just so hard because you're like, like you said, it's all dependent. If MB comes back and looks pretty much like he did before, I think it goes right back to why can't they at least win two series this year? Embiid's been better than everyone else. But if he looks worse himself, it's, yeah, it's probably like they're topping out as, unfortunately, again, a second round team. Like, I, I don't think the expectations are super high anymore. Just, I, I think people know, like, it's just the reality of the situation is MB got hurt again. Even if he does come back with enough time to to load up for the playoffs, like, he just, we saw what happened. The lot, basically, every year he's been in the playoffs, he's gotten hurt again, like whether it's a knee, the face, whatever. And he doesn't look the same because it's just, it's unfortunate how it keeps happening. He's, I, I, don't, I don't think that 
given that the injury stuff's already happened, I don't think Sixers fans are expecting a ton out of the season. If MB could come back and look anything like he did before, they would take it. So then when you add the context that Embiid got hurt, looked amazing when before he got hurt, that this team had kind of figured out life after James Harden and created a new identity that just kind of centered around Joel and you know, who knows what the what the Buddy Heald situation could yield. And I know he's a, he's an expiring contract, I believe. So who knows if there's a, a future with him on the team? This is where I have to ask the obligatory Knicks connection. I, I even phrased it on the rundown. The obligatory, like, are you afraid he's going to leave coming from a Knicks fan? I, I always feel awkward asking this. Like, even with Spike, I was awkward asking this. I, I just am curious. What's your percentage in fear that, like, he's going to be the next star that asks out? Oh, it's like, it's very minimal. Like, you know, so. Pretty- that, that, I know just real quick, the Knicks fans that are like, it's this summer we're getting Embiid. This is the common response I get from the, Sixers fans that it's like under I will, 10%. I will say it's, oh yeah, it's like under like five, under like 3%. It's like this summer. Like, so you it know. would completely shock you if he this, he became the next Dame Lillard. No, not this summer for sure. Like it's I everything seemed again like we had to remember they were basically on top of the world like up after that Spurs game where he was dominating everyone saying he's gonna go back to back MVP again he loves Maxi like they they're playing really well it's it is in all matter of speaking his city so like he's he's beloved by everyone there so mm-hmm. yeah and I, I like before I joined the rights Ricky Sanchez uh last fall like I even the summer just being a Sixers fan in college I was watching them and I I did not like when I heard those rumors I was like. I, I, I legit like I mean I had friends but I had Nick's friends in my life and they were asking me that I was like yeah I'm not really afraid I don't think there's too much smoke there because it mainly because some players you know you've been hearing that for multiple years build up like oh this remember this this is like the first time we'd ever heard anything about that like with Embiid and even then it didn't seem like there was no like Embiid like you know subtly tweeting out this what was you kind of thing or like trying to hint at this it was like the most we've ever gotten is Embiid still really good friends with Jimmy Butler. And even then that's just more, that just more just seems like an Embiid and Jimmy like trolling people kind of thing. <laughs> and that's, that's about it. Um, so yeah, I, I really like, I hate to let your listeners down, but I really don't think, um, you know, how about if the Sixers lose th- two to three more second round series again over the next three years, then get back to me and I might have a different answer. As for right now, I would say I, that's not like, that's just, again, I think every single Sixers fans concerned about Embiid right now has to do with the health of his knees. So then let me ask you about the concern about his health, the health of his knees. Take the, the, uh, your word, not mine, delusional Nick fan, right? Like I'll, I'll credit you with that. That is like, we're going to trade for Embiid this summer, right? Delusional Sixers fans do it. So every fan base has delusional fans. <laughs> you don't say yes. Um, but take the, the ideas for other teams trading for him that may have concerns about trading for someone with an injury history like his. What is your concern level with the fact that we're, he's going to be 30 at going into next season? I believe going to be 30 going into next season. Um, and you know, he's a big man. He's got a lot of miles on him. Like, what is your injury con- concern with his injury history? More so to the extent of like, oh, so like, can he survive four playoff rounds if it, he ever does have the perfect team around him, you know? Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's I think Nick Nurse gave a really good quote on it. It was around the or maybe no, it wasn't Nick. It was sorry. It was Daryl after like the trade deadline, Daryl Morey. They were asking about his stuff like with Embiid's knee and like, how did like his injury affect the trade deadline? And Daryl said essentially like 
you know, everyone talks about like a bit the best ability is availability. He's like, I don't really believe that. He's like, I would rather have a guy who has to miss some games, has these injury problems, but when he's out there, his ability like on the court stands out from the rest. So it is like, it's obviously a concern. Just how is MB going to age? Can he hold up for long enough? You know, there's all the talks. It's just, they have to go to like the, of the last few years. He's not doing it this year, but when Kawhi and the Clippers of Kawhi's degenerative knee condition and, you know, trying to rest him all up for the playoffs. So maybe that's the time he can go there. Just, you don't know where I'm at during the regular season, but you have to just, every player is going to have their drawbacks eventually. Like, you know, like the few in NBA histories who don't are like, are like LeBron and Steph who are like two of the greatest ever, ever play the game. It's really hard not to have like certain shortcomings and Embiid's yeah, the injuries have, but he is one of those, however you want to rank it. I would say he's one of the five best players in the world. Even if you want to say he's at least, I think it's pretty, it's pretty non-negotiable that he's one of the 10 best players in the world. And it's really hard to get one of those guys on your team. So I would rather have that guy with his injury concerns than like not have that guy. So just generally speaking, I, I am like, it's not like I'm not concerned about it in terms of what it can mean for the future success of the Sixers or the future, how Embiid plays in the future. If say after this mis- meniscus situation, like we know it seems from the reports that he tried to get it re- repaired instead of removed so that he could come back for the playoffs. I, I'm not reporting. I'm just like speculating. So like if anyone's followed Embiid injury case this year, it's like there are very few specific details are being leaked about it. It all seems very vague and mysterious. Um, but if MB comes back and his knee just isn't the same, he doesn't look like the same player. It's a bummer, but you have like, it was again, going all the way back to Sam Hinkie. The whole point is to get one of those like superstars who can win you the title and Embiid, even though it hasn't happened yet, I think he is that talented a player. He could do that. So you have to just take his injury risks into it and accept that who he is. But when, when he's healthy, he's that special. So you just kind of have to live with it. So speaking of the mystery around Embiid, this will be the last thing we talk about him before we talk about the basketball game on Thursday. Um, what is the expectation? Is he coming back this season? Do Sixers fan do Sixers fans expect to see him back this season at, at somewhat level of one hundred percent? Yeah, I said it was, but I'm not going to like you know again make sure I'm not reporting anything or saying right, like, we're just speculating. Your as much informed opinion, yes. The average Sixers fan, like the average person following the Sixers, would probably guess. He'll be back like right before the playoffs because that seems like most of what they're hinting at. Because in all the trades, you know, tr- like you said, trading for Buddy Heald at the deadline, expiring contract. Who they definitely, I think they want to bring back, like because they like him and he's been good. But also, clearly, like a push to make the team more sustainable and not completely fall off out without Embiid now. But also a guy who can pair with Embiid when he's back. Um, I would guess that Embiid is coming back, and at least like you know, at the very least, maybe it's like three to five games right before the playoffs. So he can just ramp up and get back to basketball. And then like he gets back in for that. So not much of the regular season. Like I would not expect, you know, Oh, first week of March, you know, just a little bit after the all-star break and beats back. Like I wouldn't expect that. It's still going to be a minute, but I, I would, I would be surprised if Embiid did not play basketball at all again this year between the regular season and the playoffs. Well, we'll see what version of Embiid we get when he went, if, and when he comes back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This leads into a question for really from you, for you to ask me a question if you have any, like your thoughts on the Knicks, your questions about the Knicks and what's happened since the, the Ananobi trade. And it's just it's weird. We're kind of in like the third version of this season for the Knicks. There's the pre-Ananobi trade. There's January after they traded for Ananobi. And now there's just this, this walking wounded team that's been dropping like flies and just trying to survive until the team gets healthy again. Uh, your thoughts or questions on the New York Knicks? Yeah, I mean, mainly it's just, I mean, I've been watching them some, but just how the offense, like you said, with this wounded version of the team is how the offense is kind of functioning without OG and Julius out there. Because I think defensively, obviously, it's probably not, obviously, OG is a huge part of the defense so that's going to drop off. But I think stylistically, they're still playing a lot of the same defense that like Tibbs just generally does. It's just kind of his thing. So I'm not, I don't think there's a huge stylistic change. I'd be curious, like what, how an offense they've looked and just how much, obviously it was already a lot of Brunson and Randall ISO and pick and roll, but if it's just more like Brunson and the four guys around Brunson, or if they've leaned into more like stuff, those other guys and try not to like overload Brunson. So there's two answers there. There's the immediate January version, the one that you saw when, when they went up to Philadelphia and a lot of threes, a lot of cutting, um, a lot of transition. Uh, it, it, there's still a lot of Randall in Brunson ISO, but it's to create looks for other guys. Um, Randall in particular, like Ananobi probably from a two-way impact is missed the most, but the gravity that Julius Randall would create, the catch-and-shoot opportunities he'd create for Brunson on three, um, that's, I think, where where they sorely miss him on offense. I think the 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 difference in now which we won't see they're, they're honestly they're still getting used to life after the the Alec Burks and uh Boyan Bogdanovich trade is they have the chance to go to like Brunson with three shooters plus Hartenstein Brunson plus two shooters if they want to put Josh Hart on the floor um I I can get frustrated at times with some Tibbs lineups that feature like a center Precious Achua Josh Hart and it's just Brunson and DiVincenzo is your only like shooting threats. Uh, however, uh, if the numbers don't lie, like a Josh Hart and Precious Achua four three uh, combination has an outstanding offensive rating because they get every rebound, they get every offensive rebound. So they're they're kind of scoring points not really efficiently but effectively like they did last year. So I would say like. It, the, the 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 red alert that went off the alarm the alarm that went off when you said that they struggle rim protection wise post um and in post up uh, Joel injury that was my thought oh so maybe the Knicks can dominate the boards and that's how they could potentially like create offense that way you I know? think there's definitely a chance like especially um their game against the Heat they lost right before the break was they almost got back in the game at the end but couldn't get a rebound over Bam just it's hard because you know it's a thing where their most potent offensive units are a lot of their smallest guys right now with just how, again, not just Embiid's injury, but Melton being injured, Batum being injured, Tobias being on and off, just 
not really having Robert Covington's been injured for a few months now, just a bunch of their taller, more athletic players not being able to get out on the court. It's why Ricky Council has Matterlux. Ricky's like a tall, a very strong athletic guy who's kind of like he basically won their depleted game against the Wizards because he was like bullying the Wizards guards inside for offensive rebounds and just sealed the game with that. So stuff like that can be really important. But yeah, just if it's a lineup with Maxi and Buddy Heald out there and I don't know, like they had to play KJ, KJ Martin couldn't who's had some really good moments, but couldn't really box out with Bam or anyone that like, I could definitely see what you're saying where Josh Hart and Precious Achua just mashed them on the offensive boards. Like that would not, that would not shock me in the least if that's like the story of the game on Thursday. So I'll say this well, again, it, it it's so weird record, recording this Monday. I, I never factored in like, oh yeah, three days is a long time. Like a really bad report could come out on Wednesday and it just like messes up this projection. But I would say that a reasonable healthy Knicks team should we like if they get three guys back for this game, I don't suspect that they'll lose because they're, they're, they're currently they've lost five of six and a lot of that's to do with the Hartenstein injury. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the, the last game against Orlando, they had like Taj Gibson and Obi Toppin's little brother, like God bless Jacob. I thought he was great in the dunk contest. Yeah. Got- Jacob kind of robbed a bit. Jacob, I we need more discussion about how Jalen Brown. Like I don't, I'm, I'm I am probably more biased against Jalen Brown than most people. But man, those dunks were not good. I. You mean when he jumped over a chair of yeah, ten minutes after somebody five, dunked five, over Shaq? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Jacob Jacob Topping at the very least, Jaime Hawkins was better. But like either Topping or Hawkins should have been in the finals. But yeah, continue. The league didn't want to put two G leaguers in the finals. I I. Get that the button was pushed, Adam Silver. I'm glad he lost anyway. Um, I I think there's a version of this Knicks team that Knicks fans are excited to eventually see. That like I, I I'm with you that I don't think it, it shocked me if the Sixers won. I also think the healthy version of this Knicks team should be able to healthier version should be able to win this game, and the the super healthy version with Onanobi and Randall back and maybe even Mitchell Robinson back has a lot of people projecting them to make a deep run this year. We're kind of cautiously treading through all of this because we have not seen this team yet. We saw it a little bit in uh, in January and they went 15 and two over a 17 game stretch. But like since the Randall injury against the Heat, it's just been like, oh, all right, so when do we get to see that version of the team again? Uh, if I could ask you from a Sixers perspective, who scares you the most? Obviously, we've, we've said Boston is one. If you want to rank like the top six and like where the Knicks fall in there, you know, who scares you the most out of the East? You know, it's hard because again, I was it's mainly Boston, not just because of how good they are, but also like just the history where the six teams that have eliminated the NBA Sixers has been Boston three times. And I've written about this, talked about this before, like the whole Embiid falls in the playoffs saying it's kind of fake, except when he's played Boston. Boston has made a play. He did not play well against Boston. The other series, he was very, very good. His team let him down. But the Boston series, he was not good against them. You know, Miami, he they lost the two games he had to miss with a knee injury and then were fine when he came back. Toronto's team, 2019, doesn't like really exist anymore. And the Hawks won, like, people get mad, but like I've never seen Ben Simmons have like four of the worst games I've ever watched before. And that was the reason they lost that series. Um, but ranking the other teams, obviously Boston won. Man, it could be the Knicks too, just because I don't know how much the, well, it's just because I don't know if there's much, the Sixers have always played Milwaukee pretty well. I don't think there's a ton. And obviously like the whole Doc Rivers thing is another subject, but 
I don't think Sixers fans look at the Bucks and think, man, there's no way we can beat that team in any way. And again, like I don't think there's anyone that Sixers fans would look at when they're healthy besides Boston, where it's like they think anything close to like hard to surmount. They just had that big win over the Cavs. Don't think there's a ton of fear there. At least for the Knicks, I because at least the Knicks dominated the Sixers in that one game in Philly a little while back when the Sixers were relatively healthy. I, I, don't, I can't remember if Melton was playing that game. And Melton, Melton isn't. wasn't. That's the that's the one that I stood out because I saw the lineup data that like him in the starting five was pretty much a difference maker. People underrate him. Melton's very important to their team, but um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I would. Just because I'm trying to think, you know, the funny one is the Sixers. If you ask like a Sixers fan who they're actually scared of in terms of matchups, I know a lot of Sixers fans don't want to play the Pacers in the first round because the Pacers have been annoying them and scoring a ton. I don't think like I don't think any Sixers fan thinks pa- the Pacers are winning the East, but I think they're at the very least they're like if they play them in a first round somehow, like if they ever got to like a four or five, which I don't think it would at this point, but be like that'd be like a seven game series and annoying. I, I don't think Sixers fans have enjoyed playing against the Pacers the last two times, so I could see that one like. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me to when I kind of think it all out and like personally what I believe, like, like I wouldn't pick the Knicks to make the Eastern Conference finals. But man, it's just I want to see how these standings shake out and where the health is, because I could also see it if like if the like if the Sixers aren't right and end up going to like eight and it's say the Knicks, Bucks and Cavs on the one side, like I would not be shocked if the Knicks made the Eastern Conference finals of oh, that. They're definitely up there. And then we haven't even factored in, the, you know, again, like. I personally don't think the Heat have been very good this season, and I want to believe that it's not going to happen again. I would also not blame a Sixers fan. Like, if I asked a Sixers fan on the street in Philly, like, hey, who, which team scares you the most after Boston? They said Miami. I can't, like, blame them for that. I get it. We're, we're all kind of shook by what happened in Miami last year. We're like, all right, they're an eight seed. They're out of my life forever. Milwaukee will make quick work. Oh, they're in the finals. Like, yeah, we're, we're all I, I'm there, too, in that I think they've been bad this year. I also see a very easy schedule the rest of the way. And I've been texting my buddy uh, Giancarlo Navas of the Miami Heat beat. And he's like, oh, I think they're bad. Like, you don't have to worry this year. And it's like, no, I'm not getting okie doke. I'm not getting were, roped in again. This they were year. bad for 83 games last year. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, they were, Daniel, they were bad for 83 games and three and a half quarters. Yeah. You were about <laughs> to lose to the, the Bulls. bad Bulls team had them shook and they got some. Never it's mind, like but, um, three offensive rebounds and a couple Max Juice threes away from yeah. them losing in the play-in, but they end up making the finals anyway. Yeah, so it's my long-winded way of saying, I don't know if I would confidently say the Knicks are the second scariest team in the East to me personally or to a Sixers fan, but I also don't view it as like, oh, the Bucks and the Cavs are a level above them. I don't. Like, I think, honestly, it's like the six to seven teams after Boston, I think are on not that too different of footing where they're all like, it's going to be crazy playoffs. I think they're all... There's no like huge disproportionate advantage. Like if it's a Bucks Pacers series in the first round, I think the Pacers could maybe beat them. Like it could happen. So it, it really is just like I view Boston as like I, unless something happens to Boston, I think they might just cruise through everybody. But I do think the Knicks are like there's no reason the Knicks can't be the second best team in the East. I'll, how about that? Listen, that's where that's where I've kind of landed. That from a. <laughs> I'd like to see that version of the team. I think the January version we saw gave me some high hopes. It was so like quickly taken away from us that I'm, I'm very ready to see that version of the team again. Last thing before I let you get out of here, uh, I mentioned like I do like a, I've been, I've been doing a Mount Rushmore of rivals with everybody, but I want to try something different for the other side, other side of the all-star break. So just, 
I, I recognize you're you're somewhat younger than me, but I I want to see what the generational gap is in like your favorite Sixers or what like the teams that the players that drew you to the team first. So how about your? I, I had said five. I'm actually gonna on the fly cut it to four. Your Mount Rushmore of favorite Sixers. See, yeah, Mount Rushmore is different because um. Well, that's funny because I actually wrote about like the Mount Rushmore for the six, not my personal one, but like the Sixers as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like if it was the organizational one based on the four greatest players, four most meaningful players. I think I got it to Wilt Chamberlain, Dr. J, Joel Embiid, Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Mount Rushmore. What's yeah, the, your Mount Rushmore? You know, Embiid's still on it just because I've grown up with him. Um, the other ones are interesting because I like when I, I think the four I'm trying to decide between for the last three spots are. It's a very different four. Like I think Maxi's in consideration just because he's meant a lot to me the last few years. And like when I started really writing about the team, he was a guy one of them the drafts, and he turned out so great. So he's up there. When I was like first getting into basketball, like watching the Sixers a lot as a kid, Andre Iguodala was the star of their team. Um, oh. Like it was fun. I know that those Sixers fans, Sixers teams, aren't remembered super fondly, but I enjoyed them and. They were competitive and Iguodala thought was a fun player for a bit. So he's speaking of a robbed and dunk contests. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Different one that I didn't get to watch live personally, but like I always have a soft spot for Moses Malone because he's one of the most underrated players in NBA history. Like I used to do this game with people where I would say, get, make them guess like how many times he's been all-star and MVP. Cause he has 13 all-star appearances and three MVPs, which I don't think it's talked about enough that like, there have like been like six players ever to hit those marks. Like it's yeah. Moses was an incredible player. Like one of the rare, like multi-time MVPs who got traded multiple times, just an all-time great who doesn't get the respect he deserves. And then for personal reasons during the process years, I mean, TJ McConnell was just a hero, like for what he did. The Knicks buzzer beater is forever like immortalized. Um, well remembered as a Knicks fan. Yes. Beloved by Sixers fans. So it's really between those four. Um, you know, I love the Iguodala, but he is like, I'm going to, take Iguodala off only because he honestly, as much as I loved watching him for the Sixers, he's going to be more remembered for his years with the Warriors, probably. Like, and I guess you could say Moses, like his years with the Rockets, but I think most people remember Moses as a Sixers champion and the MVP of the 83 team. So I'll give him, and I want to highlight Moses as one of the older players. So for me personally, I'll say Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, TJ McConnell, and Moses Malone is for four very different players. Hey, if you wanted to keep Iguodala on there, I like my on my personal route Rushmore, like Jamal Crawford's there. And it's solely because of like I when I finally like was able to drive and go to the go to New York City by myself, um, we'd go to Knicks games and we'd wait outside and he would be one of the few that stopped to sign autographs. He was also like a bucket during a decade where the Knicks didn't get it, have a, a lot of guys that got buckets. Uh, so um, everybody's list is per, is personal and different. And it, it makes it cool. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. Before you get out of here, please let the fine folks at home know where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, Andrew, thanks so much for having me on. It was a great time. Um, and yeah, you guys can follow me on t- Twitter, X, whatever you call it, uh, at Dan underscore Olinger, as Andrew was very kindly put up on the screen there for those watching. Um, and just we have the rights to Ricky Sanchez is on Substack now. So, you know, subscribe to the newsletters there. So my, I write in my column, The Danny, named after Danny Green, who <laughs> maybe another guy should have considered for that. Well, he wasn't with the Sixers long enough to be a Mount Rushmore guy, but still like... Um, writing there all the time. Usually like can be stuff like a lot of times it's film breakdowns or stuff about certain players, either players Sixers require or I should have something coming out on Kyle Lowry pretty soon. So just a lot of that kind of kinds of stuff where I try to like take a look at the game and help people 
learn it better. It's just something I'm passionate about. And, you know, also making a lot of videos for everything on the Rice Ricky Sanchez, Twitter, YouTube, uh, TikTok, just all that stuff, like making videos all the time. So yeah, just follow Rice Turkey Sanchez stuff and you'll see my work. <laughs> yeah. L- Long Island's own Danny Green, by the way. Yeah. The local boy here in New York. Uh, Daniel, again, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck uh, in every game except, well, except Thursday and then the other times that they, they play the Knicks the rest of the season. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, excuse me, the Knicks Film School pregame show. Uh, I'll be back on Saturday with an episode that's also pre-recorded, I apologize in advance if something happens in the Sixers game that changes the stakes. This is where my wife will get very mad at me for doing some selective editing uh, on our vacation. But like ball, ball doesn't stop uh, in that that sense. But thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video. If you're listening, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.